ministers and I and I'm not going to ask anybody and I ask you what's your definition of conscience what's your definition of conscience they will tell you something along the line about this faculty within us or whatever it is that can that they will discern between good and evil and right and wrong my conscience accuses or else excuses me first of all that scripture refers to a man that was not born again but what happened when you got born again first of all let me just beat that one up first Adam when Eve sinned the devil said to her if God knows that if you eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God said you shouldn't eat from, if God said, if God knows that if you eat from that tree, you are going to be like God knowing good and evil. You're going to know good and evil for yourself and you're going to be able to make your right choices. You are going to be your own moral agent. You know, it ought to tell us something when the world will tell us the same thing. When the world will tell us that you are your own moral agent. When the world will tell us about choice. It's not about choice. We'll come back to that. But that's where that comes from. This issue of choice. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now God cursed that system. Did he not? Now would God curse that system, get man born again, put a new nature in the inside of him, and then tell him, go back to that system between good and evil. No. God says, whatever you hear me say, that's what you say. Whatever you see me do, that's what you do. Jesus never makes suggestions. Jesus says, come, follow me. As I've commanded you, you go speak. It's not suggestion. It's not think about this. Amen? All right. So let's examine what really happened. Now, when I, this one, you have to see a couple of these. This, this, this conscience, let me give you again a couple of things. First of all, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Can you imagine if God, we had that, that twisted, anyway, can you imagine God get, got you born again and just give you, that, give you that same old conscience that you had? Huh? That old conscience, they, they ever heard about this story about this, the, the gangster people that will go and, you know, kill some folks, put them in a concrete block, Drop them at the bottom of the lake, and then they go have dinner. And we say they have no conscience. Can you imagine if that's the kind of conscience we got born again, and we were left with that kind of thing? Maybe not. In, we might not put somebody in a concrete thing, but you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 and he said he's perfected us forever. Mm -hmm. Come on, I think God can do better than that, don't you? Yeah. All right, First Peter chapter three, verse twenty-one. Come back, read the context of verse 21. The like figure we're onto, even baptism. Does anybody have a new King James? Or another version? This is another I'm King James. This, this, I, we have. I, you're not going to be able to read my Bible. That's okay. I have the gift of discernment. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the flesh, of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A good, and I'm just taking exactly what she, her version says. A good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, somebody might argue with that and they might say, well, what are you doing? You're taking it out of context. Well, let's check this out. You ever heard about it says about rightly dividing the word? 
Is that right? Is this paper white? Is this white? Is this white? Is this white? The word of God is so awesome. Now, granted, you do have to examine every conclusion you come to and make sure it's consistent with the rest of Scripture, the character of God, etc., etc. But you can take the word of God and you can divide it when you study in the word and, and see what you come up with. And sometimes you, you find some marvelous things. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and... Oh, did he create the heaven before the earth? Some second. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God. God is even there before the creating happened. You see? The, the word could be divided like that. So that verse says, a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I present to you that when you were born again, and the same way this new man is in Christ, he's in God. And I need to mention something else. Do you see this guy in here that is in Christ? You might mess up with your soul. You might do some stupid things from time to time. Yesterday or even earlier today. Some of it might even be called sin. But the Bible says in 1 John 3, 9, that it is impossible for him to sin because the seed of God remains in him and he cannot sin. Amen? Also too, as I said, we might do some things and that the things that we do, we, for us to say, oh, all things have passed away. That's gone. The devil said, no, 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 that was yesterday. <laughs> right? And, you, and, and the devil might try to tell you that that only applies to before you were born again. Well, now where he's concerned, everything, anything unclean, not, nothing gets in here. You know why? There's a seven scripture that says, after that you believe, you are sealed by the Holy Ghost. Sealed by the Holy Ghost. Man, you get a good kind of tomatoes or something like that, and you can that thing, and you seal it, and you put wax and stuff and candle around it, man, you can't get in there easily. They listen, it's sealed by the Holy Ghost. There's no contamination in here, right? He'll be perfected forever. All right. So the same way he is in the Holy Ghost, the same way he is in God, the same way your conscience, wait my next, your conscience was born out of you. This new life came out of resurrection, isn't that right? Mm -hmm. First Peter chapter one verse was it three? I think it is. Right? That we were born again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a, to a, to a living hope, etc., etc. So you got a brand new conscience out of resurrection. All right, that's number one. Number two, according to Hebrews chapter nine, I'm just giving you some ideas about this new conscience for a moment. So as to to anyway, verse fourteen. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge, I think the New Kingdom says cleanse, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now watch this. First of all, your conscience was purged by the blood of Christ. Amen? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? If we divide up that verse, you will find how much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience? Through the eternal spirit, purge your conscience. Your conscience has been purged by the blood and has been purged by the Holy Ghost. Amen? And your conscience was born out of resurrection. All right. To serve the living God. 
Your conscience is alive to God. Conscience, born of the resurrection. Conscience, purged by blood. Conscience, purged by the Spirit of God. Conscience, alive to God. Now look at Romans chapter 9, verse 1. Oh, before we leave purge. Romans chapter 10, verse 2 will tell you, For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more consciousness of sins. So when you're talking about a conscience purge, there's no consciousness of sin. It only has an awareness of oneness with God. Amen? It only it isn't it is it doesn't operate in this realm of right and wrong and good and bad and no, it operates in that oneness with God. It only has a consciousness of oneness, no uncleanness. Alright. So now in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, Paul, Paul said in verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Paul says, I'm speaking the truth and I've got another witness that I'm speaking the truth, my conscience. Amen? Paul says, that, and Paul is even putting his conscience and the truth of his conscience above his own truth. Because he says, I speak the truth in Christ, I lie not. But if you don't believe me, believe my conscience. My conscience bears me witness. In other words, that conscience is one with truth. Furthermore, in the Holy Ghost. So the conscience lives in the Holy Ghost. Can you see that? Now, you may have heard it said, and I think it's very valid, that the conscience is the voice of your spirit. Paul said something. Now, in the meantime, however, there are these, because we've been given a wrong definition of conscience as this discerning mechanism between good and evil, then when the word of the Lord, or when something comes, this conscience, what happened is, we ended up, we end up going into this evaluation. Right? Wrong. Um, good, bad. Um, and when we get out into that arena, first of all, if we go ahead and obey God, we are not obeying Him, we are not operating out of faith, we are operating out of choice. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. God said it, that's it. You do it. Now, but because that's how it works, here's what happened. The Bible says, and, and read this passage, it's really good when you break it down. Hebrews chapter 3, read, 3 reading from about verse 7, right through to about verse 14. He says, today, if you hear my voice, what? He could have said, today, if you hear my voice, obey. Isn't that what he wants to say? That's what God wants to say. But he gives you a warning. He said, today if you hear my voice, harden up your heart. Because the moment you hear my voice, instantly, there is this mechanism that comes up that wants to question, that wants to evaluate, that wants to reason. And the moment you begin to do that, you shift into a realm of wandering. And the Bible says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So what happens is, you, you shift into this this double-mindedness, and instead of coming out with faith, right? You, 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 you. Let, let me show it to you. Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews chapter three. Okay. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, verse ten. Today, if you hear my voice. Today, if you hear my voice, harden up your heart. 
as in the provocation of the devil, temptation in the wilderness. God said, go, I've given you the land. Right? They, they should have said, like Joshua and Caleb said, let's go up at once and take it. But they begin to evaluate. They begin to say, wait a minute. Did you see those guys over there? They're like giants. We're like grasshoppers. And because of that, they didn't mix the promise with faith and they died in the wilderness. They hardened their heart. So God says, today if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and I said, They do always err in their heart. Is in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you, now listen to what he says, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So this hardening of the heart, this, this, this evaluating, this, this defective conscience thing, right? This, this deceptive conscience thing moves you into a wandering place and if God calls it an evil heart and moves you into unbelief in departing from the living God, separation. In the meantime, the conscience that God has given you coming out of resurrection, is alive unto God, lives in the presence of God, attests to the presence of God, attests to the truth of God, and, and is purged by blood, purged by this Holy Spirit, and is in a place where it has no consciousness of sins, meaning what? No consciousness of separation. So whenever he hear, I speak. So I sit upon the wall until I can see what he says and what I will answer. There's no wondering about what I think. No, and I should answer. Whatever he says to me, that's what I speak. Now, so um, Paul said, you know what I do? This is what I do. I exercise myself to maintain a conscience that is void of offense before God and man. I keep my conscience in this particular place. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, and I think verse 22, where it talks about coming into the holiest of holies through the blood of Jesus and through, through the veil of his, through a new and a living way, the veil of his flesh. And then it says, by a new and a living way which he had consecrated for us, through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest, and by the way, he's a high priest of our profession. Having a high priest over the house of God that is drawn there with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Well, we know our evil conscience is an unbelieving conscience. And our body works with pure water. There's another scripture that says in Timothy that the mystery of faith lies where? In that conscience that is not, in that conscience that can operate in that oneness with God, that would operate and attest to the truth that will operate in that place. So Paul says, I exercise, I work on this stuff. I mean, people might say, Paul, you did this and you did that. He says, look, I have wronged no man. <laughs> Paul said that. Talk about free from guilt. Paul says, God deliver me from the people to whom he now sent me. What they think or what they feel doesn't affect me. Can you imagine Paul was stoned and then, and then and stoned left almost for dead Right? They dragged him out of town, beat him, whatever. After he was, after he was um, 
he got back up and got delivered and healed, God tell him go back into town. Go back into the square and, you know, preach. Can you imagine that? What would your, what would your brain be thinking? God, are you sure? You, you, you remember what happened? I'm lucky to even be alive. What's the matter? No, but Paul did say, Paul obeyed. And the Bible, Paul said, part of the mystery of the gospel is to bring us to the obedience of the faith. Amen? Now, we cannot operate in the obedience of the faith while we think we are in this, this big choosing arena. No, no, that's not it. That's not how it is. You have got to declare that this is, that this is who I am. I've got to declare. It's because now, where does, it, where does this stuff all work? It works when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. When you acknowledge the truth of who you are. And especially when you can know who you are as it comes out of the sacrifice, recognize crucifixion, recognize resurrection, recognize that you know, you're seated with, in heaven face in Christ, recognize your righteousness, recognize these things, etc., etc. Recognize the voice and authority and the blood and what the blood has done. When you speak from that place, the Holy Spirit performs it. God has ordained to manifest his word through preaching. In other words, to give you the experience of it when you declare it, when you speak it. Amen? You know, many times, many times, there's a reason why, you know, when we have a garden, quite often where I pray for people, and I lay hands on them, and most of the times, you know what I do? I finish, and I say, let's stand. And I leave folks in a confession. All right? How many times do you see me do that? All right? Let me ask you something. What happens? What do you experience when, 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 when I do that? What do you experience? Hmm? Let me ask you. What do you experience when I leave you in a confession from time to time? Peace. Peace, that's good. What do you 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 get out of it? What 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 what's the witness? What do you there's an agreement in, inside of me that I, that when I and so when we're saying it it's it's power like it's it's like it's like it's, it's like the truth is it's floating like you know? Amen. Freedom. Freedom. Now the reason why is because if what is being spoken is according as it is written and it is what God says, and it is the truth about who you are, and you speak it, then God said that he has ordained that he will manifest or give you the experience of the word that is preached, the word that is spoken, the word that is declared. Uh, it says that the wisdom of God's word in your is speaking to yourself. Amen. So when you speak to yourself, the wisdom of God is known to you. In fact, I'll tell you this. I, I, I'll tell you this, and maybe I should just, I gotta finish somewhere. But it, for instance, it says, what was that, what was that? What was it again? Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. All right, and um, where was that going? Oh, 2 Timothy. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says, Who had saved us and called us? Now there, that's the calling. That's the that's the that's the that's the um the utterance of God, not according to our own works, which means not according to anything you did or didn't do, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest. That's what we're looking for. But you see, when you speak, when you when you when you find out what He says, and then you say it, right? <sighs> The life is in the word. Jesus said, Matthew 4, verse 4, 
in the temptation situation with turning the stone into bread, he says, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone. But that life isn't come from, coming from where it's written. Where is the life coming from? But man shall live or have life by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen? So it's like this. When I sit on the wall and I sit on the tower and I watch to see what he will say, and he put his word in my mouth, and I believe it, and I speak it, the word is near me, even in my heart and in my mouth. When I speak it, the word is like, the word, the life is in the word, is that I speak that word, and God hear me speak that word. He said, put me in remembrance. Come, let us speak together. So when I speak the word, God gets excited. Jesus is a high priest, apostle and a high priest of my profession. And Jesus hear me says the words. And as Jesus turned to the turn, and then he says what I just said, which is his very own word. And then, bam, power starts getting released, and the Holy Ghost is released, angels get released, kingdom of God is activated, all to bring to pass what is being spoken. And so he said, I'll hasten over my word to perform it. Can you see that? Amen? So all I, I said all of that to, um, to, to make a point, to understand that when you look at this new life and you understand this, then you will see the application of crucifixion, resurrection, and all these things that gives you the details of what's going on in here. And the preaching of the cross is the power of God that produces the salvation. It is the speaking of it it is not that what he did that is the power. It's what I say. When I say what he did, that's the power. He did it, yes. But when I say he did it, that's where the power comes. So when I recognize what has been done, the sacrifice, what has been done with me, by him, by his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, blood, name, life, promises. When I recognize that and I declare that and I speak that, then what happened? Then power is released. And then deliverance can come. Then prosperity can come. Then whatever this can come. And ultimately, what is it for? So as to bring fulfillment to what he's already spoken about you. These great and precious promises by which we are partakers of this divine nature. Amen? Let's stand. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. Take back these kids' toys. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up your hands. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So when you, you see when you read in your Bible and you get in all these in him scriptures, how important they are, right? They are so important because they're telling you the tales of what he has already said about you. And all he wants you to do is come in agreement with him, believe it, and say the same thing. And by so doing, authorize him and authorize and release your high priest, the apostle and the high priest of your profession, to establish it in your life. And the Holy Spirit to bring the transformation so that that life in your spirit can come out into your soul and even come out into your physical body and even your very atmosphere and environment could come in life. Amen? Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you. Your word shall not return void. And you have sent your word to us so that we can return it to you. Thank you, Father. And it prospers in the thing we are on to, it is sent. We thank you for truth. We thank you for your word. It is so alive. 
It penetrates the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Your word is supreme. Your word rules. Thank you, Lord. Your word has transforming power. It has life in it. Thank you, Father, that we are privileged to put your word in our mouths and in our hearts so that what you have said about us can be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Amen.